if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday, a free-for-all Friday in name only because we are jam-packed today. It's the seventh morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2021, and we have got a cavalcade of guests uh, coming up in about a half an hour, 935. Christina Hagen bumps up an hour. Normally, she's our... Friday, 1035 commentator about what's going on in the news. But Christina Hagan, the former Ohio State representative, is going to be on at 935 today. At 1010, we're going to Arizona, and we're going to talk to a mom. You may recall I told this story, and you probably have seen the story in some other places now since you first heard it from me. And I actually talked about it on the uh, Dennis Prager show, too. The uh, parents of Vail, Colorado, Vail School District in Colorado, I don't know why I keep saying Colorado, excuse me, of Arizona, Vail, Arizona, Vail, Arizona. I keep thinking of the ski resort in Colorado, but at any rate, and I don't ski. Uh, Vail, Arizona, after uh, Governor Doug Ducey lifted the mask mandate in the state of Arizona, finally, uh, school districts said, too bad, we're still keeping it in place for the children. They have to keep wearing masks. Parents uh, set upon a school board meeting to express their outrage and demand that the masks be taken off of their kids, and the school board fled. They didn't want to hear the parents, so they just said, we're out of here, we're not having the meeting. So the parents went ahead and did something special. They elected their own school board on the spot and unanimously decided to lift the mask mandate. Now, it's not going to stick legally, but we're going to talk to one of the parents who was in charge of that coming up. Carrie Liebick is her name. Then at 1035, Tom Hack, Free Ohio Now, will talk to us about what we have to do to free Ohio Now. This is about much more than just COVID-19 protocols and masking. We're talking about the indoctrination of our children and the forced compliance with critical race theory in schools and in our workplaces as well. So we've got three great guests, Christina Hagen, Carrie Liebeck, and then uh, Tom Hack going to be on the program today. I welcome you to be, get in when you can, really, like right now. <clears throat> I don't have a guest until 935. So if you wanted to get in right, get in right now, uh, 216-901-0945, this is a great chance, 888-281-1110. We'll take your phone calls. But before we do anything else, let us pause for the pledge. Patriots, please stand. Put your hand on your heart. Leftists, go ahead and take your knee. Here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag 
of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yes, indeed, liberty and justice for all. We have to bring our children back from the brink of indoctrination. And uh, that's where we're going to start. We're going to start this morning with actually something I didn't plan as I prepped my show yesterday and then got in this morning or got up uh, and got this bad boy going this morning. I didn't expect to find this audio clip, but I did. And when I did, it changed my focus for the top of the show and the monologue. You know the name Patrice Cullors now, right? Or Colors, depending on who you listen to. It's C-U-L-L-O-R-S. You know her because she is one of the two co-founders of um, Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter organization that is stealing money from people left and right, raising millions and millions of dollars in the name of social justice and then being used to enrich, well, Patrice Cullors. <laughs> who just a few weeks ago bought three properties, uh, combined worth of around $4 million. Yeah, three homes, three homes. And guess where they're located? Particularly the one in Los Angeles, in a very, very unique section of Los Angeles. It's a section that is 99% white. The founder of Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors, uh, who opposes capitalism, supports Marxism, by her own words, by the way, uh, decided to use the money that she gained by way of, uh, of these donations to enrich herself and then surround herself with white people. If you find that very interesting, uh, you are you have a pulse. How can you not? I mean, that is a staggering bit of information, but that's not what I found today. What I found today was a vi- an audio clip, or actually a video clip, but you'll hear the audio, of Patrice Cullors way back in 2010. So she was a very, very young Marxist in training at that time. She's 34 now, so this would put her at about uh, at about 20, uh, 23. So a young Marxist in training <clears throat> was actually at an event. There was a United States Social Forum panel in 2010 that was called Transformative Organizing Theory. Now, again, I, the background backdrop of this is she described herself as being a trained Marxist. Now we're going back and we're actually finding some of her training. She didn't make it up when she said we, the founders of Black Lives Matter, are very well trained in Marxist ideology. She wasn't making that up. Um, so this was part of that transformative organizing theory um, forum panel in 2010. Among the breakout sessions at this workshop was something called Socialism for the 21st Century. So this was clearly, you know, a subversive, uh, communist slash Marxist slash socialist, you know, because they're all kind of fruits of the same tree of oppression and authoritarianism and totalitarianism. Um, she was there. She was studying. So this isn't news. She admitted the, as, as much and, in fact, has openly bragged about it. But this clip I'm about to, about to play for you is 11 years old. It's from 2010. She's bragging about a book. Now, the presumption here is that it's her book, that a book that she wrote. Now, I have spent the last two hours digging and looking for all of the books that Patrice Cullors has written. 
I can find nothing that she wrote at that age. And by the way, I think I have a different, yeah, I'm sorry. I th- it says she's 37 here. I saw in another place she was 34. It may have been a dated article. So she's 37. So she would have been uh, 26 when this all went on in 2010. But at any rate, she has written a couple of books. Uh, one, if I may pull this up real quick, When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir. That one it was published in 2018. And she had another one that I'm not able to find the title of right now. It doesn't really matter, but the point is it didn't go back to 2010. But what is in 2010 is her statement about a book, even if it is not her book, but she is proud to say that it was compared to Mao Zedong's Red Book. Mao, the Chinese communist murderer. Mao Zedong, one of the worst mass murderers, quite frankly, in world history one of the worst human rights oppressors. She proudly bragged about how her book was compared to Mao's Red Book. Listen. Solutions. I was at the art publications table today, and I was speaking to this uh, young person from Arizona who's trying to fight uh, SB 1070. And I was he, he grabbed a book, and he said, it's like Mao's Red Book. And I was like... Man, that's what I was thinking. And it was just really cool to hear him make that connection. I was like, how about you buy like 10 to 15 of these books and you all have like a youth like organizing group where you talk about it and you really try to engage this. And we can just kind of, we need to build off of this. And so that leads me to um, a point that I, I actually wanted to kind of focus on today, which is um, I think I have a, a really important role in speaking to youth. I, I have, maybe it's because I came in the movement at 17 and a half, so I have like just a knack for knowing how to organize young people into this organization and kind of teach them this, this politic and then hear them now organize other people. Okay. Now you may be thinking to yourself, Bob, so what? What's your point? This is my point. This Patrice Colors from 2010 was well on her way to trying to influence and indoctrinate young people into a Marxist-slash-communist belief system long before Black Lives Matter was ever born. That matters. Why does that matter? It should be obvious. The fact that she was touting Marxism and communism over capitalism back in 2010, which was before Trayvon Martin. It was before Michael Brown. It was before any of the other, you know, uh, extraordinary moments in, in, in black versus cop history, uh, that they have used to justify the existence of the Black Lives Matter movement, right? This was begun long before Black Lives Matters was ever a thing. Which leads us to what conclusion? It should again be obvious. Patrice Cullors and her fellow co-founders of Black Lives Matter don't give two rips about black lives. They found black li- founded Black Lives Matter as a way of advancing their long-held beliefs in Marxism. They, they needed a rallying point. They needed something to advance Marxism in the United States to deconstruct you know, and there's that word. I want to use that again because I, I want to go back to what the Black Lives Matter 
homepage actually said under their belief system. What does BLM believe when they put this whole movement together? This is, this is just a short piece of what their belief system is. Quoting, We do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege. We build a space that is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. We dismantle patriarchal practices. We disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. We foster a queer-affirming network with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. Now, I want you to ponder just all of that for just a moment here. Men, evil. Straight people, evil. Um, Families, evil. And people who believe in the social structure and order that has been put together in Western civilization, evil. This organization, BLM, and if you'll notice, not one word of what I just read in their belief system referenced black people. Not one word referenced black lives. It didn't reference police brutality or allegations of police brutality or systemic racism in America uh, fostered by the criminal justice system and put in place by police. None of it. None of it. Patrice Cullors and her co-founders of Black Lives Matter don't care one iota about black lives. This is an advancement of Marxist and communist principles in the United States. They wish to dismantle patriarchal practices, which means, of course, abandon the ultimate patriarchs, the founding fathers, and the Constitution and the republic that that they gifted us, disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure, in other words, get rid of dads altogether, get rid of moms, really, We'll raise these children as a collective, raise them as a village. We'll teach them that the family structure does not matter. What matters the most, what mat- what is all important to you is what is good for the state, what is good for the bigger picture, rather than your own personal needs. This is when you get into abandoning property rights. This is when you get into abandoning uh, your own personal possessions. You will be given what is necessary according to those in charge of the state. Black Lives Matter is out there chanting and raging and burning and and setting fires, well, that is burning and assaulting and all the things, the looting, all the things we see whenever there is a supposed injustice, and they don't even wait anymore to see if there was an injustice or if if everything was completely legal and justifiable. But um, they get out there and they commit all of these terrible atrocities in the name of what they say is injustice. And they have no earthly idea that they are being used. They are being used and played like a drum by Patrice Cullors and other trained Marxists who years before Black Lives Matter was ever born started this movement of Marxism in America to destroy capitalism, destroy private property, destroy the family, destroy the educational system, and to institute Marxist principles. All they needed was a vehicle to make it run. They couldn't just run under the banner Marxism USA. They needed a vehicle to get people on board. And what did they do? They used one of the best and most effective Marxist principles of all. Division.
divide the people and tear them apart from within. What better way to divide Americans than along racial lines? And thus, Black Lives Matter was formed. They don't care about the fact that 9,000 black people are murdered every year, 98% of them by other black people. They don't care that there were a grand total of 18 black people killed by police officers last year who were considered to be unarmed, and that is a very loose term. They don't care about black people, period. They care about red They care about Marxism and communism, and we have evidence of it now, going back to before BLM was born. 922, let me get a timeout. We'll come back. AM 1420, The Answer. See, a lot of people just do not understand and do not realize This critical race theory that is being pushed on schools and businesses and corporations all over our country right now is a part of the order. This is all part of Marxist theory. And it is being pushed, again, because race is the ultimate divider, particularly in a country like the United States where we suffered through the evils of slavery and then fought and 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 lost so much in treasure and in blood to end that terrible scourge and to fight to make sure that we would be the greatest force for good in the history of mankind, a nation devoted to liberty for all men. We fought so hard to end that. And what better way to advance Marxist theory if you need something to divide the people What better way to do it than to go back and continue to recount those days, to recount the ultimate division of of black and white in what were the colonies uh, and then the United States. The ultimate division is along racial lines. One race enslaved another. Now, that part is not universally true, by the way, because there were black slave owners and there were black slave traders and there were black slave catchers um, in, uh, in, in the slave trade. But by and large, the viewpoint is whites enslaved blacks. So if you want to find a way to divide the people in order to bring Marxist theory into play, you do it along racial lines. Hence, critical theory becomes critical race theory in the United States. It is is following Karl Marx's playbook to the letter. Uh, Vince is calling from Westlake. Hey, Vince, you're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Two quick points. Um, number one, wanted to comment about the folks out in Vail, Arizona, it is. Yes. Um, uh, this is what we need to do. This is what more people need to do, and this is the only way we're going to save this country, by doing what those folks did and just literally take the meeting over and reelect a new board. And people here in Cleveland area, people in every state in America need to get involved in their school boards because it comes right around to what you just finished up with is the critical race theory and the other BS that they're teaching our kids and indoctrinating kids, thus producing, to my second point, people like Patrice Cullors. Patrice Cullors, as you said, started out, what, 26, 27? Yeah. Uh, radical, radical Marxist right there, right then. Well, where do you think she learned that from? Okay. These are people that, you know, hate the nuclear family, probably because they didn't have one. Um there, we, we need to fight back on this, and this is what the vast majority of people, I don't think, are realizing. But 
thank God for groups like Ohio Stands Up, Citizens for Free Speech, things like that. Everybody needs to get involved in these groups and get their head out of their backsides and wake up to what's going on in this country well, and start getting more involved. Well, you're, you're you spot on, and here's the answer to the question. Thanks for the call, uh, Vince. Here's the answer to the question. What moved her? What taught her? Who taught her? Who is she modeling her, her, uh, her actions after? Her heroes, Mao Zedong, uh, Vladimir Lenin, Karl Marx. These are listed by her, not by me. She cites Marx, Lenin, and Mao as providing, quote, a new understanding around what our economies should look like. She read their books and has formed her thinking and made her plans and enacted them in the form of Black Lives Matter based on those communist principles. So people need to understand it's not an accident. And once again, when I tell you that I do not support Black Lives Matter, I'm talking about Black Lives Matter, Inc. Do I think that black lives actually matter? Well, of course I do, and so does everyone else. Just like every life matters. But black lives matter doesn't. They don't care about actual black lives. They care about continuing the advancement of Marxism and communism in this capitalist society. And the way they do it is to tear us apart by race. I've got more, but we're going to talk to Christina Hagen coming up next after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 957, let's get a call or two in before the top of the hour. After the top of the hour, we go to Vail, Arizona, and talk to one of the parents who essentially chased the school board out of the school board meeting by demanding an end to the mask mandate in the Vail schools for their children. And when the... Uh, when the board members ran, the parents elected a new board on the spot and said no more mask mandates. We're going to talk to uh, one of those parents coming up at uh, about 10.10. Right now we'll go to Lisa, who's calling from Medina and the Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Hi, Lisa. Hey, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. How are you? I'm great. And we're really excited to um, have Peter now speak in Medina tomorrow. And, you know, with all the topics that you have today, and I'm just loving your shows, um, did you know that he did a primer on critical race theory? Um, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Th- yeah I, I read, in fact, he and in I March. discussed it. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote it for National Review uh, a couple of months ago. It was so good. I just included that in my um, announcement about tomorrow's meeting. Pete is so uh, well versed in that issue. Um, it's, it's it's it'll be great for everybody who attends the meeting tomorrow. You know, he he talked about it uh, on my show on Tuesday. He's so generous with his time too, and I want to say thanks to Pete. He did my show on Tuesday when I was out of state. Now he's coming to McFan again on Saturday. And uh, for those who have not heard him in person, I strongly encourage you to do that because he is so well versed on the issue of critical race theory. And I know he's going to hit a lot more as well on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> This is the most amazing rant on you know things that are going on right now. It's it's incredible. Uh, I'm sure everyone will enjoy it. So yes, please. The thing come that makes him unique. Us. The things that, that, that <laughs> makes him unique when you see him in person, uh, Lisa, and I know you know this, but just for other people, no notes. No notes, no, uh, you know, uh, speeches written out. Everything he does is stream of consciousness off the top of his head. And there's so much depth and so much knowledge inside that bald skull of his. Uh, <laughs> he's just able to pour it out at, uh, on a moment's notice. It's phenomenal. It- 
strong memory and also his vocabulary. Oh, my gosh, he has the best vocabulary I think I know from anybody, that he can paint a picture with his words uh, that, that you can see so vividly about politics or a certain subject. It's amazing. Well, you know, I told him this, <laughs> and I, I told him this on the air, too, which is just kind of kind of interesting. I, I've got a pretty strong vocabulary myself. I used to be an English teacher. I have an English degree. And despite that, every time I have him on, at least once a week, I learn a new word that I didn't know before because he just spits it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yeah. intentional either. He uses it in conversation, not like, hey, I'm going to show you a new word today. He just used like, wow, I didn't know that word. I probably, I can figure out what it means by the context he used it in, but I didn't know it before. So that, you know, if, if he can, if he can educate me on a weekly basis on vocabulary, then the guy's doing something very, very extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, Just Lisa, I'm glad, I'm glad you've got him tomorrow, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, real quick. Where? Yes, it's at the Thirsty Cowboy, right at 71 and 18, um, the, the 18 exit. And uh, the Thirsty Cowboy is in the um, Plaza 71, uh, it's, uh, at, like where the Antique Mall is. I think most people know where that is. So um, 8.30 in the morning, goes till about 10, and afterwards we head out to the uh, planted flag for uh, more c- conversation, which is kind of fun. So um, everyone should join us uh, at well, either or both. Lisa, let me wish you a happy Mother's Day in advance. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You are a mom, not a birthing person. <laughs> thank you, Lisa Woods. Thanks so much. Have a great event tomorrow. One minute after 10 o'clock, we'll get to the news now so we can come right back. <laughs> of Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yeah, this is uh, where political correctness goes to die, which is why I think I'm going to change my mind on how I start my interview with Christina Hagan. Let's bring the former Ohio State representative onto our phone. She's normally our 1035 commentator on the news of the day, uh, but she had to bump up an hour today due to a schedule conflict. Christina Hagen, good to have you back. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm great, Bob. Thanks. I was going to start talking to you about House Bill 248 and a couple of other things that I had already mentioned to you, but I'm going to call an audible here at the line of scrimmage. And uh, I want to wish you a happy birthing people day. As we go into Mother's ah. Day weekend, let us recommit our efforts and support to ensure that every birthing person across this nation is empowered and feels safe. We have not created an infrastructure to support birthing people. All pregnant and birthing people deserve to be treated with love. Birthing while black should not be a death sentence. Health equity for black birthing people is attainable. Mothers. All right, I'm going to stop it there because I've got a minute and 16 seconds in this montage of leftists eliminating the word mother from their vocabularies because it indicates sex uh, or gender, and instead uh, declaring that birthing people, this should be a happy birthing people day on Sunday, not Mother's Day. So in the interest of not being politically correct, Christina Hagen, I want you to comment on that. Yeah, these people have absolutely lost their minds. There is only... there's only one sex we can bring a child into the world. Uh, Christina, are, are, you, are you on speaker? Are you on speaker or car phone or something? Because I'm having a hard time hearing you. It's a little muffled. Can you hear me better now, Bob? Much better. Thank you. Okay, great. Yeah, these people have absolutely lost their minds. Um, there's no question here that they are just 
interested in the complete and utter destruction or destruction of the world as we know it. Um, they have zero interest in future generations and just the insult that it is to women who have the only and exclusive ability to carry children and bring children into the world for them to make statements like this is just gross, perverse and disrespectful. It is all of those things, and, and, and I, I just don't understand. I mean, I know the idea is to advance inclusion and diversity and this and that and the other thing, and uh, they want everybody to feel welcome, but I mean, just basic, fundamental, biological science. There are men and there are women, and guess what? The only people who can deliver babies are human beings with a uterus, and that would mean they are a female, that they are a woman. This is now, Ted Cruz, by the way, yesterday, I loved this so much that I actually posted it on Facebook, which is something you and I will talk about in a moment. Ted Cruz responded to NARAL's um, uh, post about uh, birthing people using gender-neutral language because it's not just cisgender women that can get pregnant and give birth, they write. Reproductive freedom is for, quote, every body. And Ted Cruz responded, science Empirically speaking, giving birth is much harder without a uterus. I mean, this is supposed to be the party and the movement of science, Christina Hagen. Why are they so adamant on denying science when it comes to human biology and anatomy? Yeah, they can't destroy a generation of children um, if they rely on biological science. Biological science is too straightforward. So they have to continue to manipulate people's minds into believing that um, the untrue is true and just completely... Uh, derailing society. It's absolutely disgusting. These are the things that keep me awake at night as a mother. Um, I find myself perpetually in a state of prayer, which isn't a bad thing, um, but it's the reality of the world that we're living in. I mean, these people are disgusting. This is this is an absolute insult in every way, shape, and form to my daughter, to little girls everywhere, um, to any woman who's given birth, mind you. It is a a pretty phenomenal process and uh, a painful one at that that I don't think anybody else is designed to endure. Um, in fact, they say the closest a man will ever come to understanding or knowing the weight and the um, the feeling of bringing a child into the world is having a kidney stone, which I don't, you know, I'm not envious of. I'm sure it's very painful, but it's just, we're in a crazy place where anything can be said and anything goes. And it's not just Anything can be said, but anything can be preached and repeated by our national leaders and world leaders. And now our children are left to defend the truth, which is a really scary place to be. No question about it. We're talking to Christina Hagen, former Ohio State representative. Um, I mentioned Facebook because that's where Ted Cruz posted that and where I shared it. I'm not proud to still be on Facebook. Um, you make tremendous use of Facebook. In fact, that's when I started inviting you to come into our program because you do such terrific commentary on your Facebook page. But um, I want to talk about their existence, and I want to talk about the criticism of Facebook for a moment. Uh, first of all, uh, Mark Zuckerberg convened an, a, an oversight panel, I think is what he called it, to determine whether or not Donald Trump is entitled to First Amendment free speech and uh, freedom of the press, as as is everyone else. Literally, as you know, when he was a sitting president, they banned him from using their platform, which I see as a free, a free speech issue and a freedom of the press issue, since social media is now kind of the new fourth estate. It's where news is spread and people organize. Um so they, they banned him while he was sitting president. Now that he's an ex-president, they, they held essentially what amounts to a parole hearing as to whether or not we're going to let this guy out of Facebook prison. And then they said, nope, he's still not worthy. 
I'm disgusted by that about Facebook, but even more so when I learned about this, Christina Hagen. Please give this a listen. $27 billion is what Facebook made in the first quarter of this year. Now, I'm not saying that that's all cartel money, but they are advertising on social media. But then if you look in my own home district, I have a little mom and pop shop owned by the Elrads. They sell homemade jellies and they were banned from selling advertisements on Facebook because they had been flagged for conservative content. Um, that's uh, Florida Republican Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Um, Christina Hagan, the part that is important there is Facebook allows cartels to advertise their own human trafficking and smuggling operations, to coordinate with people to tell them where to meet them, uh, how much to pay them, et cetera, et cetera. They're using Facebook to advertise human smuggling, while Donald Trump and other conservatives can't use Facebook to speak to their followers. And your thoughts are? I can I continue to say the word disgust, and I, I hate to be repetitious, but I'm just absolutely disgusted at the state of things. Big tech should be unquestionably and unrelentingly blazingly under fire by lawmakers and civil rights advocates as well. I mean, this is an obvious, um, blatant violation of the president's freedom of speech, um, his freedom to assemble and have access to the press in the same way. But the reality is when they're doing what they're doing, and we've we've seen these parallels, we've seen the reality that these people say they want to protect um, neutrality, they want to protect safety, they want to keep people well, yeah, then they're doing some of the most egregious and dangerous things that we know of that are occurring in mankind, like human trafficking, smuggling humans, and promoting it through social media for uh, personal financial gain. The reality is Donald Trump is the greatest enemy to all of us that we have ever seen in a public official. And so they're going to do whatever it takes because they realize that he still has a firm grip on the Republican Party. They recognize the great power they have to be the arbitrator between him and people getting information. I'm thankful that the president and his team have ruled out from the desk of Donald Trump. And so they're, in a way, going to uh, subvert this process by which his speech has been blocked. And, you know, in a, in a way, them continuing to smack him down only proves his relativity. It only proves how necessary and needed he is. And so I think it emboldens his supporters and helps us to see just exactly what we're up against with the up against with this digital oligarch. Um, and so with that rolling out from the desk of Donald Trump, I feel more confident that people will be sharing his content, his information in a way it may be more powering than his direct presence. Uh, but it doesn't make it okay. Any of this is going on. This all needs That's to be regulated. Issue. I mean, this corporate interest is unbelievable. And the reality is, 75% of Americans want these companies regulated, and 68% of Americans want to ensure that free speech is guaranteed. So our legislators need to make some moves, and they need to start protecting our rights. Yeah, that, that's the big deal here. It's not that can he find a way around it to say get his message out anyway, but it's the fact that they have the right to deny him like this. And by the way, the reason the uh, the um, a smuggling story became news is because uh, uh, Congresswoman uh, Kamek went down to the Donna, Texas detention facility, and she literally asked some of the migrants who were there, "How did you get here? How did you know uh, who you know with whom to to follow and so forth?" And they said Facebook. They literally said they found the advertisement. 
advertisements on Facebook. That's how they hooked up with their smugglers to get them in. So uh, it's admission right from the very source, and uh, and that is something that has to be, like you said, regulated. And, of course, the only thing Zuckerberg and his minions are interested in regulating is conservative thought, and that's the big exactly. problem. Exactly. All right, I mentioned uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, more science here, and I want to talk about uh, COVID nineteen. I want to talk about the vaccine. It's called an experimental drug. Both the COVID and, or excuse me, both the Pfizer and the Moderna uh, vaccines are not actual vaccines. They are mRNA. They are experimental drugs. Uh, the actual vaccine is in the Johnson and Johnson, in which they actually take dead cells or dead uh, cells of the virus and inject those to help build antibodies. But the point here is that you shouldn't be required to take either one. Now, we've talked about this, and I want to ask your thoughts on House Bill 248, which was just reworked a little bit uh, by Jennifer Gross, who is the key sponsor. She reworked the language to actually make it a little bit stronger from an anti-discrimination against the unvaccinated standpoint. Um, and from what I understand, it's finally going to get uh, an introduction into a committee on May 18th, because it's been languishing for about three weeks now with uh, going nowhere. So now it's got its introduction. What are your thoughts? on 248 as far as you know about it, Christina Hagen, and whether or not you think we can get this thing passed to protect us from discrimination? Well, my thoughts are we're always at a disadvantage. We're always in an uphill battle when it comes to protecting our rights. I mean, you flip the news on, that's easy to see these days. Um, you see these vaccine campaigns across the country, the the well-being organizations that, you know, they're going to slap a symbol on the side of a business before you go in. There is a clear war going on with your right to your personal autonomy and your medical freedom. I'm thankful for legislators like Representative Gross and Senator Brenner who have stepped into the space and tried to attempt protecting our rights um, to make those very intimate decisions about what we utilize um, in our own our own personal health regiments. And so I am optimistic that we have legislators that are aggressively stepping forward. Um, on the other side, I, I know the history. I've, I've been through this fight on a much less controversial piece, you know, on the flu vaccine where the efficacy rate was bottoming out. There was no reason for it to be taken or administered. Yet there was a campaign on every radio station, every TV station, and every CBS, Rite Aid, every drugstore, every Walmart was handing it out like candy. So there is always a big pharma push that's going on all the time, 24-7, in our schools, in our businesses, um, within the chambers, you name it. And so I'm always, I'm always um, skeptical of the reality that these lobbying groups will not put immense pressure on our legislators. So I just, I, as a mother, as somebody who cares deeply about protecting my right to make decisions about my body, my personal health, my children's personal health, our family's health, these bills give me a glimmer of hope. Um, the fact that we have to authorize an individual to decline a vaccine, that this is even a real discussion, is bizarre to me in the United States of America and the land of the free that we have to pass legislation that protects an adult's right to decline um, a vaccine. But that's where we are. We knew this was coming down the pike when I carried the legislation six or seven years ago that said that an employee should not be discriminated against. The terms of their employment should not require um, that they take the flu vaccine. And the crazy thing is science is so far from being considered in any of this because we've got um, these shots, as you've mentioned, they're not immunizations. They do not guarantee immunization. They do not guarantee a reduction of transmission. 
um, yet they're being required as a term of employment across our state. It's making national headlines, like site news even picked up, um, where a prosecutor was trying to force a breastfeeding woman to take her vaccine to be able to return to work as if women, or I guess, what would you call them after our earlier conversation? The birthing people. people. Who birth. Yeah. Yeah. If birthing people don't have enough to worry about, now we have to take an experimental shot, um, that should not even be on the market, but is, uh, so. It's crazy, but I'm thankful well, for these you, two bills. This particular bill is scheduled for a hearing, which I'm optimistic about. I served with Representative Scott Lips, who's the chair of that wow. health committee. He supported the bill that I carried that granted employees the right to decline and keep their jobs in the state of Ohio. I am prayerful that these legislators will be educated by the interested parties that are brought in. We can pray and uh, feel more confident that in this in this body of government, that there will right. not be people denied the right to have their voice heard on these issues because it's so important that we have the interested part of them. You, uh, but I also you, like... Oh, let, let, let me jump in because we're a little short here. Um, you, you, uh, you mentioned the word bizarre, that we would even have something like this in a, in a free country like this. Uh, this is also bizarre in a free country. This is a song you are likely not to hear in Washington, D.C. in the foreseeable future. Uh, we can We can leave your plans behind well, you cannot dance if you want to in Washington, D.C. I stole that idea from you because you put the lyrics up there on your Facebook page. Uh, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., says no dancing at weddings. My goodness gracious, what what more can they steal from us? They just obviously our dignity. Our dignity at this point has already, already left, but... Yeah, I saw that, and I just thought, is there anything else left for them to destroy? I mean, holy matrimony, you can't even celebrate with your family on the dance floor. You can go to a restaurant, you can wear your mask to your chair, you can take your chair off, and you can eat food with people. But when you're at a wedding, for the people that you most admire, most love, and most cherish, you cannot stand nor dance in Washington, D.C. What a joke. Does that mean bride and groom? Does that mean father-daughter dance can't happen? Does that mean, I mean, just just nothing? <laughs> it's just, and the fact that we're asking those ridiculous questions just shows how ridiculous the entire thing is. Christina Hagen, thank you for coming on early. I know you're busy today. Thank you for making time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. God bless, Bob. Thanks. And you as well. Thank you. 9.52, right back. This city desert makes you feel so cold. It's got so many people.